My first guest today is Shia Naimi. Shia is a freshman at UCLA, majoring in applied math and minoring in Iranian studies. Shia is a good friend of mine, and we met as juniors in high school through the Diller Teen Fellowship. When I first had the idea of starting a podcast, I knew for certain that I wanted to have Shia as my guest. She inspires me every day to view life through an optimistic lens, which is very important during these difficult times. Shia and I discuss the comfort in seeing a familiar face on campus, finding your niche at UCLA, the struggle of coming into your own in college, and the powers of journaling. I hope you enjoy. When I first had this idea to start a podcast and start talking to people about their experiences in college and what they've gone through, you actually came over in a social distancing kind of way. You drove up to my house and we stood very far apart from one another and just discussed the idea of me starting a podcast and different discussion topics and why it could be a good outlet for certain people to turn to um, and talk about their different experiences. One reason I wanted to have you on this podcast was because I feel like you have a very unique background and a unique experience. So you go to UCLA with me and you and I met a few years prior, but our relationship, I feel like, has taken on a new form since going to school together. So let's dive right into it. Why you chose UCLA? It was a decision between UCLA and USC and I like told myself I was going to consider them and like go to both of the campuses and consider all these factors but really the whole time I, I just love UCLA like I love that it's a big school I love the lifestyle um I love the mix of cultures and just how strong the programs are and it was a no-brainer honestly I think it's interesting the approach you took to deciding oh oh you're talking about like how I went to the campuses okay so I basically went to both and um I like asked both I emailed a professor from each school if I could like go sit in on one of their lectures because I was like at the end of the day like they're both pretty they're both big they're both all these things but I just want to see what it's like to sit in the classroom so then I uh, first went to USC and I went and I sat in the classroom and I was like very underwhelmed because it was just, I mean, not that it was bad, but it, I, I sat there and I was like, this is just the classroom. Like, what did I expect there to be? Like some special revelation when I walked into the classroom? No. Um, and so I just sat there and like listened to the class. I didn't know what it was going on. Um, and it didn't really tell me anything. Then when I went to UCLA, I like stepped on the campus and I just like felt this feeling that like I literally can't describe. I was like, wow, okay, this I'm going here. When I got there within like five minutes of walking around campus, I was like, I don't even need to go to a lecture. Like this is where I'm going. And then that was it. It just had a feeling. A visceral reaction to a college campus. Yeah, yeah. And I don't think of myself as someone who is like, oh, about like the energy of the place and like these spiritual things but I don't know it was just a feeling that I couldn't describe that's what you want at the end of the day when you're looking for your yeah. future home people say when you know you know um so you and I actually went to orientation at UCLA together and mm-hmm. at UCLA there's a big grassy area and it's called Jan Steps and people just go there to hang out do their homework and you and I sat there during our orientation and you brought something up to me that has kind of stuck with me since we discussed it. And you had this fear that UCLA wouldn't be your own. The reason being that 
your uncle worked there, your parents went to school there, and you were just trying to come into your own and be independent in college, but you didn't know if you could achieve that. So after going through almost a full year of school, I was wondering if you felt like that perspective changed. Definitely did. Um, yeah, I just had this feeling of like jealousy for people who are going out of state because um, or people who are just going to a school that their family has nothing to do with and they don't they're not really connected to it otherwise because you're kind of stepping into this world that's like uncharted territory and then you learn to navigate it and it becomes your own and I think that's definitely valuable and I definitely still do envy them for that but I don't think that having my family already know UCLA so well and ha having had experience it has like negatively affected my freshman year and I think partially it's because like when my parents went there um it was just such a different world than it is now so like when I explain stuff to my family about like my classes and stuff they're like wow it's it's just so different that it's as if it's a different school. Also, it's just so big that like, no matter how like short of a time ago they went there or they worked there or whatever, it, like they just are bound to have had a different experience because out of like 30,000 undergrads and however many professors and grad students, there's just, everyone has such a different experience. Um, and yeah, I think, it, it like it is my own I don't know how to, how to explain it like do you feel like that too I think that I've had my own experience unique from my parents and it's become my home and mm -hmm. regardless if like my parents didn't go to UCLA but I think regardless if they did like you mentioned it's such a different world than when they went to school but additionally we're different people than they are so therefore we are having different experiences than they would and I feel like we're finding our niches and finding our communities for sure for sure yeah we we definitely do find our own niche so i think that's a perfect segue to our next topic which is about finding your community on campus and i was wondering if you struggle to find your community um actually i have an interesting story about this so when i um in the time leading up to school starting i had this vision in my head that i was going to join the club swim team because I swam in high school and I loved it. And I, I wanted to keep swimming in college and I really wanted this like team setting and have make my best friends. And I had this vision of just finding my people on club swim. I didn't know anything about the team. Um, and then I signed up for it. I went to the first practice and I was kind of unpleasantly surprised. I mean, the team is great. Um, I think they do have a great dynamic and there are lots of people that make friends there and they're very fast too um but it just wasn't i didn't feel like i really belonged there or i was welcome there and it wasn't like as social of a setting that i was looking for and also like a lot of things like the schedule didn't work out for me all these different little things ended up kind of letting me down and i was really disappointed because that was like the one big thing i was counting on and then i kind of learned you can't really just come in with this vision of you finding your community in this specific niche um and it kind of emerges more naturally so like one place that i did find my community was this group called the persian community of hillel so it's like this persian jewish um social cultural group club and 
it's just I grew up in Pasadena and I'm Persian and Jewish and there are no other Persian Jews actually zero in Pasadena um except my mom <laughs> and so coming to UCLA I didn't realize how big of a difference it would make to have so many other people in my culture around me and it like has just made the world of a difference and I th- that is like my people that I've found do you think that finding PCH helped you make a big campus feel small yeah I do I think it goes that way with a lot of clubs um just in general going to such a big school people always describe a feeling of like you're drowning in like you're like little fish big pond big sea whatever um and it definitely is scary to walk around like the idea of walking to class or down Bruin walk or wherever and not knowing the majority of people around you um and I think that joining clubs and I'm sure you've experienced this too a lot more than me in fact um you just meet by joining clubs you meet so many people from so many different like nooks on campus and you just see more faces walking around school and you feel like you have you're like building your own community around you and choosing the people you surround yourself with. You also had Bruin Woods coming in to UCLA because as you mentioned both your parents went to UCLA so you grew up going to Bruin Woods. Was that an immediate mm-hmm. community that you found when going to campus? Um not really. Well should I explain what Bruin Woods is? It's um okay so Bruin Woods is this family summer camp that um is up in Lake Arrowhead. UCLA owns the conference center there. It's our conference center up there at the lake. And over the summer, when there aren't academic meetings and things going on, it just gets converted to this really fun summer camp where families go stay in cabins and um, the kids just hang out. The parents do outdoorsy stuff. And all the um, counselors are student staff. They're all UCLA students. And it's like this very, very tight-knit group of 50 um, students that are just super fun. And yeah. So growing up, I I knew a lot of people um, that were counselors. And so going into my freshman year, I knew, I'd say like maybe five to ten of them that were my counselors in the past few years. And then also a couple of people that had gone to camp with me. Um, and yeah, I would say it was just nice to see a couple more familiar faces around campus, but I wouldn't call it really a community until I applied and got into Bruin Woods. And now that I'm hopefully COVID willing, going to be a counselor this summer, then like now it's starting to feel like a community. You mentioned previously how you and I both live close to home and how that's been going to school not far away. So I was wondering how that transition was, how you knew when to go to, how you knew when to go home, how you knew when to stay at school. Okay, so I think in that, when it comes to staying home and going to school, a lot of it has to do with your parents. Like, I've heard um, some people's parents, some people who are going to schools that are, like, within within an hour away from their home, their parents will be like, no matter how close you are, we're going to treat you as if you're... 3,000 miles away. There's actually something called that. It's called like the 500 mile rule or something like that. Um, and I think that's a really good philosophy. That's what that my parents adhere to. Not... You do that with your parents? Yeah, I can speak on that after you share your story, but continue. Okay. 
Um, yeah. So that was actually a really big fear of mine because my mom is not the kind of parent that's going to just let me go off and never expect me to come home. And so I worried that I would get in a lot of fights with her over coming home. And I have a couple times skirmishes, but for the most part, when your parents ask you to come home, you also want to come home. Like, unless there's something else going on really fun at school that I don't want to miss, like, I'm usually happy to come home once a month, once every few weeks for a night, just see everyone, do laundry and leave. I thought I would go to school and have this whole sense of like independence and I never want to come home and I live here now. But I don't feel like coming home every once in a while sacrifices that at all. How often would you say you went home over the past two quarters? Well, fall quarter, we all went home a ton because of the Jewish holidays in the beginning. And then... So I think I went home fall quarter, average maybe twice a month. And then winter quarter, I went home twice a, a lot month. less. I think I went home like twice all of winter quarter. So like two out of 10 weeks. How about you? You went home more often than, than I did, but you also live a lot closer. No, I never went home. Really? Yeah. I don't remember oh, what yeah, holiday weekend it was. Oh, really? Yeah. Which I think taught me to treat it like I was actually at school, even though in the back mm. of my mind, I knew that my parents were only a 20-minute, 15-minute drive away. Did your parents, like, happily take that deal, or did they ask you to come home more? No, they never asked me to come home. I feel like it was a mutual understanding amongst us both, where it was, we want you to have a traditional college experience, and we want you to be with your friends and make UCLA your new home, and obviously, um, but it was never, like, they were never upset with me if I wanted to come home and never forced me to, and I enjoyed being at school, and I think if I had a different experience, it would have negatively affected it if I chose to go home all the time. Yeah, I, I think so, too. I, I know of a lot of people who are at schools that they're not happy with, and they come home, like, every weekend, and I don't, I don't know, if I was in their shoes, I don't know if I would, like, try to be strong and stay at school and try to make myself like it or if I would want to come home, too, because it's hard. Um, next, I'd like to transition to talking about being independent financially, and it's something you and I discussed, and you felt like it was a burden because you recognized all of these people who were doing college and paying for it themselves, and you felt almost guilty for not... Not having that, like, responsibility. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That was very poorly um, said on my I behalf. I think I definitely... I feel spoiled because I'm not... Like, I see a lot of my friends, um, like, getting scholarships, paying their way through college, um, and just, like, handling it themselves. And my roommate, too, like, she is amazing. She basically completely went independent as soon as she graduated high school, like pays for her own phone bills, her own insurance, her own everything. Um, and I think, well, A, it takes a lot of hard work to earn the money and B, it takes a lot of like self discipline and like learning a lot of new skills and money management, um, which I feel very lucky that I'm not in that situation. Uh, a little badly about it and spoiled that I am not developing those skills. Okay, something I want to talk about is your experience with your major and minor and discovering what fields you want to pursue and your experience trying to navigate the tumultuous waters of attending a big school and <laughs> switching your major in that whole process. Um, so I'll just go through the story of it. I came in 
I think is cognitive science. God knows why I wanted to do cognitive science. And then at orientation, I was like, no, now I want to do linguistics and computer science. Switched it to applied math. And then I got into my head this idea that if I'm applied math, I can only do finance. And then I was like, no, I never want to do finance. So then I decided to switch to engineering. And one of the huge disadvantages of going to such a big public school is that switching your major, especially into more competitive majors like CS or engineering, is very hard, sometimes impossible. And you just have to jump through a bunch of hoops to do it. While someone who goes to a small private school can wake up one morning and switch their major to mechanical engineering and then the next morning be political science and so that's definitely a drawback and it definitely was an obstacle but for like two quarters i i wanted to be a civil engineer so i jumped through all the hoops i like took all the classes got the gpa did everything and then i got to the end and i was like ready to switch in and then i had this other revelation no i don't want to be an engineer because i wanted to have a bit more flexible of a curriculum and UCLA engineering is very heavy course-wise so I just stayed um and I'm in applied math now and I'm happy with it and I think this might be the permanent major because it's pretty open-ended and I can study some coding and it can be applied to engineering Um, And it also allows me to take an Iranian studies minor, which I really wanted to do because we have a really strong program for that. And I wanted to study my culture a little more. But yeah, it's definitely hard to be one of those people that is always, (laughs) is always like changing their mind and switching majors and stuff. And I know you, you experienced this too. You were undeclared for a while, right? Um, Yeah, so it's harder because you don't you just don't have like a clear vision of your future and your goals but it also is nice because it lets you explore a little more do you know what career you want to pursue with your intended major i don't people from applied math sometimes go into finance and business which i don't think i want to do and then sometimes go into like mathematical modeling type stuff engineering it could be a I mean, I guess the name implies it, but it can be applied to a lot of different science Yeah, I think I want to do something perhaps in engineering, perhaps with a bit of computer science, but still very open-ended. Do you know what you want to do? I have no idea. I think I want to look into double majoring and minoring in something, but I think I have to do some extensive research and dabble in different fields before I set my mind to everything anything yeah it's definitely hard to just have such a broad idea of like different things you could possibly do and to see especially when you like see your friends who know exactly what they want to study and exactly what their job is going to be even like pre-med people pre-med is so hard but the the relief that you know exactly what you're going to be doing in like 10 years it's very 
calming at times, and I'm very jealous of it. Yeah, definitely an intimidating factor, but it always puts me at ease knowing that other people are in the same boat as me and are also Mm -hmm. struggling and trying to find their niche and their path. Yeah, that's for sure. Knowing you're not alone. And also, when I see adults that completely majored in one thing in undergrad, got um, like master's in another thing, and then had their job be a completely other thing, it's also very relieving to see that you can change your path so late in life. A hundred percent. Um, Something else I want to talk about is, so you and I go to school together, but we also knew each other prior, and we have talked about it before you actually brought this up, and said that our relationship probably wouldn't be as strong if we hadn't attended college together. So I just wanted to talk to you about keeping in touch with certain friends, how that process has been for you, if it's been rather difficult or easier being in college. I think I'm a person that doesn't keep that much in touch with people, but I also don't wish I kept that much in touch with people. What do you mean? Not because I don't like them. Like A lot of my friends from high school that I would talk to every day of high school and hang out with a lot, um, I go weeks without talking to them even months sometimes in college but and I have one friend Sam who is the same way like he's just bad at keeping in touch like he forgets or he doesn't have the time to dedicate to like have catch-up conversations with people but he like hates himself for it and he like his new year's resolution is always like get better at keeping in touch get better at keeping in touch like reach out to x y and z people more but I feel like when I don't keep in touch with people, it kind of honestly enhances my experience when I see them. Like like when I see my high school friends over Thanksgiving and stuff, not having talked to them since we all left, it gives us so much more to talk about and it doesn't feel like the relationship is forced. You are really good at keeping in touch with people and you always reach out and I don't know how you do it. Like you always like you're, you always think of people and then you always reach out to them and you always like make time to talk to people that you haven't seen in forever. All praise to you. I appreciate <laughs> it. But I think that's something that I've really appreciated about our relationship. Not a lot of people from my high school came to college with me, but you I knew before and so seeing a familiar face on campus if we run into each other on Bruin Walk or if we're walking up to our dorm and just like walking up together and it's the small moments that go a long way. Yeah that's true just seeing people I'm the the exact same there are only the two other people from my high school that came with me and I'm friendly with them but I'm not BFFs with them and even just like seeing anyone's face that I know uh, makes the it's another thing that makes a big school feel smaller. A hundred percent. So next I'd like to shift gears to talking about the roommate situation. You had a very unique roommate situation coming in to college and so I was just wondering if you could elaborate on your experience. So we're all freshmen have to be in triples. It's not a choice. I don't they're pretty cramped spaces so uh, your roommates are and most people find their roommates by either going random and even when you go random they match you based on like a survey you take that says when you go to sleep, how messy you are. You can do random, you can room with someone you knew. A lot of people room with like their high school friends or their childhood friends. And then what I think most people do is they room with people that they find on Facebook or Instagram or through mutual friends. Um, And I see all three of those working out equally well and badly. Um, like there's a spectrum for all three of us. I did half and half. So I picked one of my roommates who I've known from camp. And then the other one, we went random. So happened that the one from camp did not go so well. 
and then the one that was random i like fell in love with her and we're rooming together next year and i'm very very excited about it just to clarify i fell in love with her platonically <laughs> 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 so yeah love you shimei so then yeah what didn't work out about the one i knew was just our living styles like that's one of the downsides of rooming with someone you know sometimes just like the excitement of like going to school with someone that you're already friends with and already coming in with a built-in friend and buddy to your life it can overshadow like your living differences and you can overlook some of the like red flags about them being your roommate so we just had a bunch of differences in living style like i was a lot tidier i mean she's a great person I have nothing against her. And like bedtimes and the way we treated the room and I don't want to go too far into it. Even though that didn't work out too well, I think it didn't really negatively affect my freshman year that much. If anything, it just added humor to it. <laughs> Having a roommate that you get along with depends a lot on like what you're looking for in a roommate, which sounds very it sounds very like relationshipy. <laughs> But I think it's very true. Like you and I, for example, are very different. I like to come into my room after a long day and like chat with my roommate for two minutes and then just do my own thing and go to bed. But you like to always be talking and always be socializing in your room, which is wonderful. And I don't know how you do it, but your roommates worked out really well. Yeah, they're my best friends. I met them through Facebook and it turned out one of them and I actually had mutual friends, which put me at ease knowing that she wasn't completely crazy. Next, I'd like to switch gears into discussing the coronavirus and being home and being quarantined and leaving school and how you're coping with it and the transition and everything like that. It's so sad just having our freshman year cut short. And every day I'm sitting in class and just thinking, wow, I wish I could see these people in person and like, have this in real life and then I wish I could be going to be plate after this and eat lunch with everyone and it's just a bummer and I miss school like crazy but also I feel like we don't have it we don't have the worst of it as freshmen in college we have it way better than a senior in college or a senior in high school or like even if you're thinking about that we're all just fine compared to adults that are now unemployed and like needing to support their families like I don't feel like we really have the right to complain that much I say after I just complain for like two minutes but yeah it's hard there are also a lot of good things coming out of it like I see everyone taking up new hobbies like you're making a podcast my sister's in the kitchen making pasta from scratch right now I've been learning some piano our friend Maxim has been learning Farsi he's so good at it yeah everyone is just kind of having time to self-reflect, try new things, spend time with their family. I guess like if you had to pick a silver lining, it would be that, but it's definitely really hard. Another thing I feel like is us being close to home has made COVID, like us going to school close to home has made COVID way less of a burden. Imagine all those out of state kids that have to come back and get their stuff all that definitely all about perspective um one thing you were talking about new hobbies people are taking up and something you really inspired me to get into actually a few years ago was journaling as i say that i haven't journaled in a few days but over this past year i've journaled consistently how do you think journaling because i know you're an avid journaler has made a difference in your day-to-day life or reflecting on different experiences in college specifically or in general both um it has made an enormous difference i've been journaling since um for three years now i think and it just not only does it like help me fall asleep 
and just calm me at the end of the day. But it, when, I, when I'm writing about like my interactions of the day and my thoughts of the day and everything I did, it just helps me improve myself in very small ways. And it helps me like organize my life and my priorities and just, okay, this is so cheesy, but it just makes me like the best version of myself. <laughs> so like, for example, actually a really good example of this is in the past two weeks, we started classes and the first day um, was so horrid. I did not get anything done because I was just sitting at home and I just was so unproductive and my classes were fine but being at home just does not make you want to study and so then i was journaling about it and i was, and i just came to this realization that it would help me be more productive if i like made lifestyle changes that made my life at home feel more like my life at school like waking up at a certain time working out first thing in the morning and like my sister does this too we don't go to our room from the time our classes start to the time our classes end like school is downstairs and room is upstairs like we both have like i took over the dining room table my sister took over my mom's office we both do school downstairs and we don't go it's like a, it's like a dorm or whatever and then stuff like I don't let myself eat while I'm in class because you don't do that at school. And those are just things that come out of journaling, you know? You just journal, you realize it, you make those changes. I think that's really a cool. super positive outlook and a really good adjustment yeah. to make. Yeah, it has helped so much. I'm so productive now. Um, how has your journaling journey been? It's been really good. I haven't done it recently. I hate to admit it. I've been reading a lot more recently. Um, and so nice. I do that a lot more before I go to bed. Or I'll journal, one of the two. Um, but I think journaling for me has allowed me to get all of my negative thoughts out of my system. It's like a release of toxicity from my environment. And I think it's way easier to f dwell on the negative aspects of your life, especially in college. If you didn't have fun at this party or you got a bad grade on this test and to journal about it, I think then it gets it out of my system and it's released. And then I feel like a weight has automatically been lifted off my shoulders. Yeah, it feels like putting it away into like a little box and locking it up and sending it away. Like it definitely lifts the burden off your shoulders. Yeah, that's so true. Do you ever feel like awkward when you're writing in your journal? Like you don't know who you're writing to? No, I, so I have journaled since I was little and we've actually been cleaning out our garage and the reason I did it was because my mom was an avid journaler, journaler, so she's found her journals from when she was eight to high school to college to when I was a baby. Yeah, and it's just, it's like a record of her life of things that she was going through or experiences she had. So I would journal since I'd say like second grade when I really started writing and intermittently and then continue when I went on trips and when... We met when we went to Israel together. I journaled every day. I've journaled throughout high school, but specifically this year. And I got one of my roommates into journaling, and we'd have journal parties late at night. And we'd journal for like an hour. And it's a very emotional experience if you're honest with yourself. And I feel like, as and as with anything, if you do something more frequently, you get more comfortable with it, and you just get more honest on the page. So instead of writing, like, what you ate today and who you hugged, you write about, like, how you felt when you got a certain grade or how you felt after a party or somebody who made a specific influence on your day. That's so true. Yeah, the more you write about it, the more comfortable you get writing with yourself also that gave me chills about your mom she's been writing since she was eight and she has her records that's insane she was reading me the other day something she wrote about me when like I was a baby and she was 
writing about being a new mom and things like that. And also, hopefully she doesn't mind me sharing this, she, I think a lot of what's portrayed in the media about college being so amazing 24-7, don't get me wrong, I'd say most of the time it was amazing, but it's life and everybody has hard moments. And I think, unfortunately, a product of social media is those hard moments are filtered and you only see people in their sorority having fun or with their new best friends or this, that, the other. And my mom read me her first journal entry from her first day of college. And she's like, I'm, it's kind of hard. Like, I'm kind of lonely. And obviously, she had, it was the best four years of her life. But it just showed me that everybody goes through the same challenges. Yeah. The idea of reading your parents' journals sounds like such an experience like I haven't read I, I haven't read her journal she's just told me bits and pieces here and there when I write my journals and I like put them away and like store them safely I always think to myself like oh I'm never gonna show anybody these maybe my kids but I don't think I could even show them to my kids really I dream of having kids and reading them my journal and it's not and <laughs> It's nothing that, like, and this is different for how everybody copes with different situations. I know you and I are a bit different, but nothing that's in my journal is nothing that, like, nobody knows. Like, I'm very open about how I'm feeling and what I'm going through, and it's just solidifying those emotions on a piece of paper, essentially, or working out a situation in my head. It's a way to show somebody that you're connected to them, and you're connected to their feelings and their hardships and what they're going through. To, to let them read your journal? Yeah, or even talk about what you write in it because it's where yeah. you're most vulnerable, at least I feel. That's so true. That's so true. Because you write it without planning to show that person. So you're really showing them, like, the raw thoughts that you've had about them. But also I think you journal more, way more emotionally than I do. Like, I, my journals are literally the most boring thing ever. I write, like, today I woke up, worked out, went to class, ate, this food went to class and then I'll like go into a really deep tangent about like a boy or something. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like you really like work through your problem though. well I feel like it's a product to be completely transparent of me listening to podcasts I'm the reason I wanted to start this podcast was because I'm an avid podcast listener I think it's the most fascinating thing to sit down with somebody and just hear what they have to say and hear their story their struggles their achievements and in every podcast I listen to for like a week straight, people were talking about journaling and everyone journals so differently, but it was so awesome to hear them talk about why it was so therapeutic for them and how honest they were with themselves. And so I've tried to adopt, ad- adapt that into my writing style. Yeah, that makes sense. I always wondered, I, one thing that has always felt awkward to me, like when you're journaling and you're writing about your parents, do you write like, oh, today mom and I went on a walk or do you write my mom mom or dad I don't say my mom do you you in your own head I just write like I'm talking to myself or like my Uh sister like because I'm not thinking oh like a friend of mine is gonna read this and be like oh mom who (laughs) but do you ever explain like Maybe if you, I don't know, like if you're joining a new club or something, do you like explain to your journal what it is? Maybe a little bit, but I feel like I have a really good memory. And if I reference something, I know what that's in reference to. Uh Uh-huh. I feel like. Um, But speaking of that, that reminds me of something. I was on FaceTime with a friend of mine last night and I was washing my hands and I said, oh, do you ever sing happy birthday to Oprah when you wash your hands? And she's like, oh, haha, so funny. I'm putting that in my quote book. So then it made me think of my quote book and how I don't always explain situations, but I just say, 
who was president, who was present, and who was engaged in the conversation. And I can reread a quote from wherever it is on my quote timeline from freshman year and know where we were, who was there, who was talking, and what it was in reference to. And I think that is such a great thing that I did. Like, I'm very proud of that. The quote book is definitely iconic. 100%. Last question. I know we went on a bit of a tangent, but that's always what podcasts are for. Do you think that you've changed significantly from who you were in high school to who you are in college? Ooh, that's such a deep question, Ashley. Gotta get you thinking. a lot to take on for a girl like me. Um, Do I feel like I've changed a lot? Honestly, no. I don't think so. I think I've changed um, my, my like, goals, my interests, my, like, lifestyle. But I don't think my personality has changed. Like, I've, I've changed what I surround myself with, and I've changed the context of my life, but not my personality. Or maybe I have changed my personality, and I'm just not aware of it. I don't think Do you you've think changed. You don't think I have? No. I think you've I grown. Oh, thanks. I think I've grown, too. But I don't think I've grown, like... I don't think anyone who knew me in high school would look at me now and be like, oh, yeah, you've changed. Not that much. Like, there are definitely some people that have found a community that they were lacking so badly. I don't know how to describe this. Like, there are people that have found communities in college that when I see them now, I'm like, wow, you really found your place so hard. Like, where was this community or this team or this group all your life like and you're just so happy for them and that changes them like they grow into who they really are that's a really good point i think it's i think that happens a lot with cultural groups like that. yeah finding your niche finding your group of people is, but it's definitely difficult like some people don't find it until the end of their senior year and they're like yes. where has this club been my all all four years and things like that oh hold on my sister's giving me pasta no totally okay all the questions i really had was there anything else you wanted to address or bring up anything just how cool you are all right if we want to talk about that just kidding no i think that's it thank you for having me that of was of course an Thank you for coming I feel like on. I that was a journaling session in itself. That's what I think discussing things in a podcast, it's it's a whole self-revelation reflection process yeah. of opening up about your hardships or your achievements or things, advice that you have for other people you essentially wish you knew for yourself. Yeah, that's so true. Because honestly, when else in your life do you sit down with someone and discuss these topics just because you want to, like by your own motivation? Never. 100%. All right, well... Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. And I'll talk to you later. I love podcasts because you get to connect with people and peel back the layers and get to know them at their core. I always love talking with Shia because she is very honest and raw and always says what's on her mind. I feel like people can really learn from her ability to go with the flow and adapt to different situations, whether that was with her major or dealing with her roommate problems. Doing this podcast is one of the only things keeping me sane during this crazy time. I hope you enjoyed and thanks for listening.